Yeah, so a lot of the time people try and run ads before they have product market fit. Yes. Now, you really want to find your product market fit or your core 100 fans, true fans, where you're going to get the feedback you need to make the product really good and really understand who you need to put this in front of. Because if you just go with the approach of sometimes we've had funded companies who just want to run ads and they don't really know who their target market is, what their product benefits are, or what the standout features are, and so they don't really know what to put in their marketing message. And so that's tough. If you've got a limited budget, you're going to spend a lot of money trying to figure that out on ads. Whereas if you just spend maybe a few months just trying to like work one-on-one with your customers or the first customers that you do get, yeah. you want to really understand that before you start scaling with paid advertising because it can get very unprofitable very quickly. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest today is Jack Paxton. Jack is a serial entrepreneur. He has founded multiple SaaS product companies, and he also owns an extremely successful company in Los Angeles. He's originally from Australia. He has traveled all around the world, worked in multiple places, and today he's here to share his story or his growth story and how he is growing his SaaS startups, how he grew his agencies, and what other startups can learn from and do to scale their startups. So let's get into it. First of all, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Would love to know a bit about your journey. How you ended up as a tech startup founder? Yeah, similar to you. It's been a long journey all over the place. Started out, a lot of it has been like, unlike you, my background's been in marketing, whereas yours has been in development. Uh, I started out really young in building, oh, well, working at uh, marketing agencies. And then so from marketing agencies, I started in Australia did that for a little bit and then moved over to the US kind of five, six years ago and actually then worked for more agency companies, understood what was involved, what was needed, and then started building my own marketing agency. And so we're at a pretty good size team now and we have that marketing agency. And then once you have a marketing agency, you're like, okay, well, I need to build a product now. Yes. And then so we started building products and we you know, went down the same route. We do marketing SaaS products. Yes. And we created uh, a company called Viper, which helps giveaway people run giveaways, contests and stuff. Yeah. And then from there, we also have been running that for two or three years, actually maybe three or four years now. And then we started a new software company called Hiax. And this is getting even more important because what we realized with our first SaaS company was that you need to have something that's like essential to someone's business. And our first SaaS product was like a nice to have. It was a marketing tool that you could plug on and add in yes. to build your social following and your and your email list and that sort of stuff, but it wasn't essential. And so with our second SaaS product, which is called Hiax, we're trying to make it essential. So we're like the Shopify for digital products. So it's Is a it platform. a bit like uh, Gumroad? A little bit more like Kajabi and those sorts of things. So it's you can build courses, landing page sale, sales funnels, um, manage all the payments, manage all your customers, all that sort of stuff. So that one's a much bigger project that we've been developing for probably like about 10, 10 to 12 months now. Yeah. So a long time in development because it's such a massive tool. And then, yeah, we're launching that kind of like Q4 this year. So it should be pretty so, exciting. But yeah, that's yeah. like how I started out in ad agencies, just as, literally as an intern, worked up yeah. through that created the agency, which created like a lot of cash flow and yep. built up a really solid foundation. 
and then moved into building products so that you can diversify it a little bit between, you know, client work and then users and customers. That is such a common route these days I have seen that people start with an agency and then they realize that, oh, this is you're just trading time for <laughs> money and that's yeah. not that scalable. So the only other way is build a product. And then once you build a product, you realize, okay, product is a lot of work as well <laughs> to get traction. But since you understand marketing, it is easier. I Even though I got trained as a software developer, I know what I need. I haven't been doing software development myself all i've been doing is growth for mm-hmm. and and that's why i found viper.io or viper.ai super interesting and i wanted i have so many questions about yeah. <laughs> about well, you it. if you want yeah yeah so <laughs> so tell me about a, a bit about viper so how does it work so say i've got i don't know a consumer product company or a, or a software company what mm-hmm. how can i use it yeah, so it's in a super competitive space. The The draw towards using these tools is referral marketing, incentivization, yes. and gamification side of things. Yes. And so what we took were the, the basics of that, which is running giveaways where you have a prize, which is going to be the incentive for someone. Mm-hmm. And then you gamify it by getting people to enter your giveaway to win that prize and you make them do extra things to increase their chances yes. of winning. So that was kind of like the full foundation of it and how we were like, okay, we're going to use this model to create a tool that store owners or SaaS owners can use to grow their email list because once they sign up to a giveaway, they have that email and to incentivize essentially any action, but mostly the actions that people want to incentivize social media, likes, shares, and comments, reviews, user-generated content, all that sort of stuff. So we saw the value in that because as we were working in an agency, we used this model and used our competitors to start with to actually grow our clients' email lists, grow their social engagement, grow their social following and all that sort of stuff. That's the main concept behind it. And then we built on top of that, not only the giveaway aspect, but we added in the rewards programs, the waiting lists, the leaderboards and all that sort of stuff. So we elevated the product to somewhere that wasn't necessarily offered on the market yet. And that's where we found yeah. our little like segment Niche. of the market. Yes. Yeah, And then we started out really low on the freemium. And then yes. we found out that the, comp- the product was maybe a little bit too complex or it was maybe a bit yes. more of an advanced marketer sort of product. So then we started pricing it at a enterprise and changed a bunch of the features to make it more enterprise focused. And that seems to have been much more uh, manageable on our end. Yeah, And also it's had a better market fit to people who understand the marketing process of collecting leads and converting those or generating really cheap traffic or generating a lot of engagement and that sort of stuff. So yeah, that that's like how we came up with Viper, what it does, and then the positioning of it. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is um, super interesting point that you just mentioned that a lot of people end up with complex or really feature rich products and then they get too hard to use for early stage users. So there's two mm-hmm. ways. You either simplify it or you go enterprise. And enterprise has another benefit. People there have a budget. <laughs> they can spend yeah. money. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've seen similar products. Is it like AppSumo or, or, or all those? Like they, they do similar giveaways. And, and there's a few other giveaway ones that I have used in 
and past. Yeah. My experience has been that like these days, it was different back in 2016. These days, people don't share stuff on Facebook and, and all that. Yeah. So how do you generate social buzz? People at the most, what yeah. people will do even on Instagram is that they will like even comment yeah. is asking. It feels like asking for too much. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys overcome that? Yeah. So we definitely noticed the, cause like everybody who signs up um, yes. gets a referral URL and they're all unique and that's how you track the referrals via a link. But yes. you're right. That action is not as used as it used to be. People aren't like DMing people referral links anymore or sharing yeah. referral links via email. It's just not as common. Yeah. And so that's where the concept of the bonus action came in. So the bonus yeah. action was what I was mentioning where you could incentivize someone to do anything online and you can use a point system or a token system to reward people for the different actions. And so funny you said AppSumo because that's one of the clients at our ad agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so what we do there is that you essentially want to think about your audience and what they usually do. So if they hang out yeah. on Instagram, create bonus actions around Instagram, like tagging friends is a massive one. Tagging friends in Facebook and Instagram are huge. They're probably some of the two biggest used bonus actions of people running Viper campaigns. And then the other thing is the share. So the share is super easy. And a lot of people, if it's a really valuable prize or you've got a really narrow niche that you've got a very relevant prize for, people are usually willing to share it. So tagging and sharing is definitely being uh, way more prominent than people actually referring their link. Now, you do find people referring their link if they have their own email list or something. Yes. And they'll be like, okay, this is particularly in the B2B space. A lot of B2B consumers also have their own businesses, which have email lists. So yeah. once they sign up to your giveaway, they use their referral link in their own email that goes out to their email list. And so that's where you can see how some of those platforms, Airbnb, Dropbox, Robinhood, some of those bigger yes. sort of SaaS products, yes. how they did really well because they got the top you know, 10, 20% of business owners or founders or startup gurus sharing it with all of their followers. And that's where you get that really good leverage of having one entry into your giveaway turning into like thousands of referrals, which would just cost a huge amount of money on paid. And also your conversion rate is so much better when Absolutely. it's a referral introduction yes. rather than an ad or organic posting it just takes forever. And so this was like a happy medium between those two because at the ad agency, all we do is run ads. So this is like a great method if you don't necessarily want to run ads or if you have a really small budget and you want to get a better, you know, cost per lead or cost per, cost per traffic. So CPC sort of thing. So yeah, it's, but you're right. It's very saturated industry. And another reason why we also build a second product is because you have all of these big competitors, like you have Gleam, you have yes, Gleam. Yes, I've used Gleam as well in past. Yep. 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 You have AppViral, you have all yes. of these different platforms that are doing very similar things. And each one kind of has their own slight tweak and twist on what they do and which features they, they really focus on. So yeah, it is very saturated though, but the good thing is it's got a massive user base because everybody's trying to grow their email list. Everybody's trying to grow their social media. So there are a lot of customers, which I think is the reason why it can support so many competitors. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. So you still have the agency and, and all that, and you've worked with a lot of, I'm sure you've worked with startups, founders, all that they want to promote their product. What is like the one key mistake that you see a lot of early stage founders make in promoting their startup? Yeah. So a lot of the time people try and run ads before they have product market fit. 
Yes. Now, you really want to find your product market fit or your core 100 fans, true fans, where you're going to get the feedback you need to make the product really good and really understand who you need to put this in front of. Because if you just go with the approach of sometimes we've had funded companies who just want to run ads and they don't really know who their target market is, what their product benefits are, or what the standout features are. And so they don't really know what to put in their marketing message. And so that's tough. If you've got yeah. a limited budget, you're going to spend a lot of money trying to figure that out on ads. Whereas if you just spend maybe a few months just trying to like work one-on-one with your customers or the first customers that you do get, yes. you want to really understand that before you start scaling with paid advertising because it can get very unprofitable very quickly if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> very true. And on the other side, you've worked with lots of startups and stuff, and you'd have seen some really successful campaigns in your life. And mm. what do you think is, are the key sort of ingredients of a really successful campaign? And yeah. Yeah. It's the flip side of that. Once the people have found that product market fit and they really understand their core value of that product, yeah. um, that's one thing. But the other thing is having really good marketing material. So being able to get your value across to someone really quickly in your images, in your video, even on your homepage or landing page, a lot of the time founders try and put everything in and it just gets really confusing. And there's always the tool, the all-in-one tool is like the worst marketing message ever. (laughs) Yes, Um, absolutely. And I just see so many people doing it and it's just really hard to resonate with anybody if you say that you're you're the all-in-one tool because nobody wants the all-in-one tool. People want the best tool of doing X or the best tool of doing Y. They don't want the the tool that does everything at a mediocre level. But I might be wrong. But so far from what we're seeing, very specific people wanting very specific things and you want to start out narrow and then expand. The guys who start out broad and do all the features will usually come in and narrow down to a few of their core features. The guys who start with a narrow feature set will usually expand up. And I think it's better to expand up because you can talk to your customers and understand what they want and what they need and then go yes. and develop that product versus the other way around, whereas you're trying to force all these features onto people and then you have to use data or you have to figure out which ones they don't like, but you've already gone and built them all. So you've already invested all that time and capital. So I think, yeah. I think that's the way you probably need to do it. We made so many mistakes with Viper. Yep. I think we have retooled it or completely revamped it like two times now. Yeah, just based off talking to customers and that sort of stuff and figuring out like this is way too hard or this feature isn't used at all. We actually started out doing so much more. So now we just do like referral marketing that focuses on giveaways, contests and uh, rewards programs. But we used to have pop-ups, content upgrades, all this other stuff. And it made the marketing message really hard. And promoting the product was tough because you had all these different things you were offering, but nothing really appealed to that one person that you're trying to talk to. So I would say that's a big thing. The really successful brands with the ad agency, it's mostly e-commerce. Yeah. And the stuff with that is, you know, user generated content, really good creative, really understanding how to use data to create audiences and really diving into managing your account and ad structure so that you have like really good customer journey. That's one on the, the, like the, e-commerce front and then for b2b it's really i think starting out with google like we even though i run ads like for viper we start tried google and just didn't work whereas we've seen much more success for b2b with google ads because it's 
much more search intent. Yes. We've done some stuff on LinkedIn, but it just hasn't really been a good ROI just because the cost of LinkedIn is just crazy high. So it's mostly super high enterprise people um, running ads on there where their average order value on a customer is like hundreds of thousands. (laughs) Absolutely. You said it. It's if you are employing, you're working in HR and employing CTOs and CIOs and COOs, and for every placement, you're going to get two or three months of salary of that CIO. <laughs> it's worth it's worth to run that ad and you can pay like $80, $90 uh, um, a click kind of thing. But yeah, yeah for most mortals, for $49 it's, a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not going to make sense. So yeah, LinkedIn is very tough. And that's why LinkedIn, but LinkedIn has insane organic reach. So sometimes oh, yeah. Yeah, five times more. What do you do for your marketing of your agency? So we do a bit of Google, but then I do a lot of organic. So I get lots of leads in through lots of organic. So one of the thing that we did was we built a tool called buildmymvp.com. And within a month, it went to like number one globally for that term. So build, wow. build an MVP or build my MVP or build MVP for me or something, things like those in the top four um, most yeah. places. This, this was like 18, 20 months ago <laughs> because so it was yeah. just a very simple tool where where people can mix and match and say what they want. And then it gives mm-hmm. them a, like a rough code or something at the end. And we got insane amounts of traffic through that. And we got, I was getting at one stage, three or four. So we changed it slightly because I was getting so many inquiries and most of them were time wasters. <laughs> so it wasn't the right, <laughs> it wasn't the right, but it did um, wonders for SEO and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just because it went viral and stuff, you, you cannot always expect, but as I go to events, as I speak, uh, people read my book, they find me through there, just organically buying my book and reading it and stuff from Amazon, not doing a funnel and things like click funnels or anything like that. I know those sort of things work, but at the moment we do have uh, enough work just from all this. But the other thing is referrals and then people who are entrepreneurs and you are one, so you'd understand once you work, start working with them, they're never going to have a shortage of ideas. They will always have a new idea <laughs> to work on every month because <laughs> and they always want to build things and we mm-hmm. are there to have them build things. So that's what we do. <laughs> it's only once you yeah. build and finish things, you realize that, oh man, it is so hard to get product market fit and get customers to use the product. <laughs> Yeah. It took us years. Like I would, I would say Viper only recently started scaling and it took us probably a year, maybe even two. <laughs> to find oh, that's like fast. That's fast. Most people, yeah, take four or five years and then still they're struggling and then they keep, and over the years, the product keeps evolving and because the world keeps yeah. changing as well. Mm. But it is, it is definitely um, interesting. And a lot of founders don't understand about marketing. Have you got any tips for any B2B SaaS product founder and a B2C SaaS product founder? <laughs> Yeah, I was really fortunate enough that my business partner on the SaaS products, he's a technical uh, co-founder. So I think that was one of the essential things that we did when we started out because having a co-founder is, I think, really important. It makes the journey a lot less lonely. You hold each other accountable. You have much better brainstorming. So I do having a co-founder and I think it's even better when you have a co-founder that has complementary skill sets. Yes. So 
if you, for, if in our, in our case, I was like marketing sales, business development. And on his side, he was uh, coding and development. So we could get up MVPs, we could fix stuff quickly, we could build stuff quickly. And that was a huge benefit. And then now that you get bigger, you hire out. And yes. that's also valuable because he has the skill set to, you know, properly vet people that we hire exactly. and make sure that they're doing what they say they're doing and they're actually good at what they're doing. Whereas if you're a sole founder, it's very hard to be good at everything. And it's hard to hire people if you don't understand the concepts or the requirements of the job yourself. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but you don't have a co-founder, do you? I do. Yeah, I do have a co-founder. Oh, okay. Every business that I do, I have a co-founder with complimentary skills. I don't do business without a co-founder. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not sustainable. You want some days off. You want you want a life. If you don't have co-founder, you're married to your business. That's it. <laughs> you are yeah. working 24-7. So yeah, it's just not. And even if you look at successful tech startups across the globe, most of them mm-hmm. in any city, you'll take the first top 50, 100, they all would have co-founders because mm. it just, you can get more things done. And then, as you said, having those complementary skills and stuff. And then when you are, you can take a sick day off for it. It is, it is great. You, you need to, mm. and who do you brainstorm with when you're going yeah. through tough times? And as any startup, any business does, you need mm-hmm. someone to talk about stuff and all that and find a solution. So it's much, much easier that way. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. I think it would be tough. It'd be very tough without it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anybody listening, go find a co-founder. <laughs> Absolutely. It's easier said than done though. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Because I think one of the benefits was I met my co-founder because we were both working together on a different project yes. first. And that makes it a lot easier to then commit to something like that. Whereas yeah. if you've never worked with someone before, it's tough to obviously you know, commit to such a big project when you're going to spend at the start, you're spending huge amounts, like 60 hours a week trying to build, create and start a a SaaS company. So you're going to spend a lot of time with that person. (laughs) Yes. So you have to get along. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, yeah. 40, 40, 50, 60 hours a week for an extended period of time, you'd be spending more time with them than with your partner, with your spouse or husband or wife. Or, <laughs> so yeah. so they also have to like them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. If you had to start all over again, what would you do? You just finished university, study, whatever. And then you, day one, <laughs> what all would right. you do? So I, didn't, like? I, don't, I don't have any skill sets. That's, I don't have any skill set. Is that right? No, you have whatever skills you could have. Um, Same skills you've got now. You've got same skills. You've just finished your university. What would you do if you had to start? Okay, so I definitely think starting a service business is easier than a product business to start with. Yeah. What I think I would do is I would choose a niche or an industry that I wanted to go into that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And then I would offer marketing services, probably Facebook and Google ads. If I still have that current skill set and try and work with some companies that I might be interested in creating a product around or with, or even against. And so really understand the industry on someone else's dollar while you're getting paid to do it. Yeah. And then as I do that, I would try and find a co-founder with complementary skill sets, who's interested in a similar industry. And then we'd hopefully work together on developing a product, which we could then build out because you know, I think the thing with agencies is they're great at generating revenue. And cash as you said it before, it's very much time for money. Margins are too super thin yes. in comparison to product. 
And then you do have, yeah, the cash flow benefit from it. Whereas if you're starting a SaaS product, you might not make any revenue for six months or two years. <laughs> it can be a long road without any revenue. So I think having the service business is a great way to supplement some of that. Even if you're just, because when we started Viper, we started out working full-time jobs when we started it. And then we kind of went to part-time jobs and we were still working on it. And then we finally went full-time. So yes. it even took a year to get to full-time. Yes. Highly encourage people to work on something part-time or as a side hustle to start with, yes. develop enough so that you can get some customers, you can get some feedback and that sort of thing before you go full-time. I know people who jump into it and they're like, oh, I need to go full-time. I need to dedicate everything. It's all or nothing. I really think that's a recipe for disaster <laughs> in most cases because I, I you just put so much stress on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I see it as, as it's their journey. <laughs> they are learning from it. <laughs> it's, but yeah, it is hard. you must see that a lot working with, if you're getting leads from kind of like, build my MVP, I take it these guys are just getting started. They're just um, getting started. Very early stage. Yes, yes, yeah. very early stage. Yeah. So how do you do payments then? Do you take equity in their companies or do you just no, charge no, no, flat we don't. fees? We just charge, yeah. But we do some Google ads and stuff and those still work. Facebook mm-hmm. ads don't work because there's no intent and you need mm-hmm. really strong intent if you want to build a <laughs> tech startup or like a product or something. So those mm-hmm. still work. We get referred by other agencies who don't want to do development or find it too hard. <laughs> they just want yeah. to do a website, pretty looking website design. But as soon as it gets complicated, they're like, oh, go and talk yeah. to these guys. Custom so we development, get, yeah. Yeah, custom is... <laughs> It's still hard for most people. It's easy yeah. to say you can do like anyone can do WordPress and Squarespace and all, all those just the regular tools uh, and no code and stuff. But you, that goes only so far as soon as you yeah. want to do. And and most early stage founders are dreamers. Like they want to build everything. They want to build a Salesforce competitor from day one <laughs> with more features <laughs> than Salesforce does. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. yeah. So, so that's, it's their journey, it's their journey. And then we had to really mm. explain to them, no, yeah. you build an MVP first, you get some users yeah. and then, yeah. and then you see if it's working, then you put some money, more money into it and more resources into it. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it is definitely interesting. Have you done anything with influencer marketing? Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely do run more so on the, more so on the e-commerce side. But yeah, we definitely run influencer ads. So yeah. uh, we'll work with our partners and or our client and make sure that they have a few influencers and then we'll organize to run ads with those influencers, whether it's through their page, through our page, through one of our third-party pages, whatever yeah. it may be. And then we help them plan out the content, the campaign and that sort of stuff. And usually you find that influencer content is really good. If you have the right influencer, they have the right following. It doesn't always work just going for the biggest influencer. No. We've found that really narrowing in on someone who is great at their niche, they have a really cult following or passionate following. And, and so they can make some really relevant content for you that's going to match your product and match your target customer and audience. And then you can accelerate that with ads, which we do quite often. And you will see much better ROI on, on those sorts of campaigns and running yep. the, the ads straight from your brand page. Because people, as I said before, with the referral marketing stuff, people are so much more likely to trust a referral from even a random person over a company referring themselves. Um, So I think it's it's a great strategy to use. It's an interesting industry. I definitely have a few friends that also run influencer marketing agencies. Yes. And it's 
crazy times that they have been around. They've been around for the last kind of five years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that industry is definitely progressing pretty quickly. Yeah. Same thing when you see with these new platforms like TikTok and everything, TikTok, yeah. where it's all influencer-generated content. And I don't know. In, in mm-hmm. US, but in New Zealand, I see, I've started seeing a lot of ads on TikTok mm-hmm. by the platform itself with a shop now button underneath or or yeah. buy now or find more or more info buttons yeah. so it's definitely and their algorithm is next level if yeah yeah if facebook's algorithm is like coca-cola tiktok's algorithm is like crack cocaine it just you people start swiping up and then three hours later where has the time gone it's, yeah. it's crazy exactly yeah. and, and that's why yeah, no, the, the ux is really good too yeah, and that's why people are already spending more time in certain parts of the world on TikTok than on Instagram, which is crazy mm. to think it's considering it's so new. <laughs> it yeah. Already beating Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to see because recently the US was talking about banning TikTok and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And then there was talks of an acquisition and it's still pretty early. I think it's going to be similar to Snapchat where the demographic is going to start really young. And then give it a little bit of time for them to mature. But that happens with every Mm -hmm. platform. It's like in 2006, seven, everyone used to be like, oh, no, Facebook. At that time, Facebook, everyone used to be like, oh, Facebook is only for young people. And now Facebook Mm -hmm. is only for boomers and (laughs) or or, or parents of boomers. It's no longer any changes. I'm already seeing a lot more content on on lawyers, on real estate agents, everything on TikTok. It is maturing mm-hmm. like super, super fast. Yeah. Yeah. I play tennis and I it's on my tennis club. There's so many people who are over 65, 70 year old. And mm-hmm. and I like the other day I overlooked their shoulder and they were all just glued to TikTok. <laughs> they, they're like really old. <laughs> they're all retired. And just because they've got uh-huh. time to spare for the till waiting for the next game. And it is mm. just so addictive. <laughs> wow. that, yeah, so it is changing super fast, more faster than people can realize. And I saw just mm. like one video of Marcus Brownlee, who's like a, a re- reviewer of um, iPhones and all that. I, I watch mm-hmm. it all, a yeah. lot on YouTube. Yeah, MKBHD. Yeah, yeah. He's got like 10 million plus follow- subscribers on YouTube. And I saw mm-hmm. one of his TikTok on on tiktok like just his review he's making good Mm. content there as well now immediately after that i started getting ads from mobile phone manufacturers like samsung and then the vodafone and spark which is t-mobile or or in us and and immediately so it's like they are and that was ads on tiktok so that means like samsung and all those guys advertising on tiktok ads direct ads on tiktok and Mm. um, straight where you can click and then buy that phone and so they knew that I watched that ad, which is on mobile phone reviewer and immediately mobile phone manufacturers, as well as the the telecom companies started advertising to me on the platform. And- yeah, I said like mobile phones are the perfect product for TikTok because they're all the consumers on TikTok. And like mobile users. Definitely mobile focused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so now yeah. that's... Yeah, that's great. So what's next for, how do you intend to promote um, Hyax? Is it Hyax? That's how it's pronounced? Yeah. Yep. H-Y-A-X.com. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be tough because as it's such a vital tool to a business because it builds their business, it's hard to get people with an existing ecosystem to change. And then obviously if someone's starting out, there's a lot of handholding. 
So I think that the main things are we've really figured out the content marketing side of things for Viper. We've figured out a really good partner program and referral marketing. Those things will be a starting point. We'll just have to really focus on, you know, individually helping customers at the start, like literally helping them build their business, grow, make their first dollar, that sort of thing. And then I think we really want to focus on at the moment, like entrepreneurs um, and creators, those people who have a skill set or they have an audience that they want to start monetizing. Because we have that marketing background, we're really focused on how business owners can easily monetize and increase their average order values increase their lifetime values of customers and that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of kind of stuff that's built in to really focus on that, to build a really good ecosystem of whether it's a course into a membership or whether you've got a store that you want to upsell into a membership or upsell other products, build all of that stuff in there. So it's very ROI focused for the business owner and the creator. So I think that will definitely help as well because they'll see instant revenue and gratification in comparison to what they're currently doing which would be great. And then, yeah, I think the content marketing, that sort of stuff, we'll be doing a lot of trainings, a lot of webinars, probably Google ads, that sort of stuff. So yeah, I would say it's going to be a combination of a bunch of things. We'll have to see what works and what doesn't. Like anything, it'll probably take a little while to test all those out and then start accelerating on the stuff that worked and get rid of the stuff that didn't. Yep, that's very cool. I have got three quick questions that I ask ask nearly everyone. And is there mm-hmm. is there like a marketer that you follow who you think is doing really well online? The more old school ones, like the Neil Patels and the Ezra yes. Firestones. Like I grew up learning from Ezra Firestone, I would say. Yes. He was like my kind of, I suppose, idol because he was like e-commerce focused and he was building yes. software products and that sort of stuff. So he was really interesting and he had great content still. He partnered up with Molly Pittman or someone who's really good at Facebook ads. So they're, yeah. they're a great source of information for the e-commerce and Facebook. And that's one of our huge learning material for everybody at our agency. It's compulsory for them to listen to all of those podcasts and everything. And so I would say that those guys. And then who else? To be honest, I really admire a lot of the YouTubers because they are just marketing geniuses. Even though Paul Logan is in the gray area, people either love or hate him. Yeah. You, you've got to, you can't deny that he's just so good at capturing attention and so yes. good at building hype and getting people excited about something. I think he's fighting like May, May Flowweather or something at the moment, which yeah. will be Is it a crazy. real thing or is it a fake news? I, I don't, I never know. Well, that's it's, like, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> Didn't he lose? Like, didn't he fight a KSI or something some time ago? And then he lost to KSI. And Floyd Mayweather is next level. He's not KSI. He's not the best, best boxer in the world, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is. When you see how he dismantled Conor McGregor <laughs> and mm-hmm. the class was like next level. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. It's, I don't think it's happening. I think it's just fake news. I think <laughs> it's just for hype. So he um, knows. But, yep. but yeah, some of those YouTubers are just like really good at, you know, capturing yeah. attention and that sort of stuff. And I think you can learn a lot from like different industries that will yes. impact your own and taking things that are working in other industries and applying them to your own is a good way to innovate. Yeah. Second one is, is there a book that you are reading right now or the last book that you read? So I was reading this one, like at the moment I'm reading this interesting one about startups coming out of Israel. Oh, very um, cool. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to send it to you afterwards, maybe. Sure, but sure. We were in Israel last year and I ended up just like buying a few books there. And yes. I finally got around to reading this one. It's all about the innovation that came out of Israel and like yes. how they produce such a huge amount of companies that are on the NASDAQ. 
it's incredible how many there are and, and, how, and the amount why, of funding. Why is that? Why is that? So they're just like really innovative and they're very resilient. So because of their history of the country, essentially what this book is showing and trying to teach these lessons is that they're very resilient and they have a really good skill set for innovating and also like positive feedback. So yes. they were doing a comparison between the military, actually, between the US military and the Israeli military. Mm. And how in the Israel military, it's much more, there's much more pushback from everybody on the team to help improve commanders mm. or everybody else in the unit. Whereas in the US, it's very much by order. And if you're a lower yes. order, you can't say anything to the upper order sort of thing. So yes. they have this really honest, straight to the point feedback loop in yes. Israel, which helps them continually improve. Whereas in the US, they don't have that feedback loop. So it gets stuck in this structure that doesn't change very much. So there's some really interesting learnings in there. And I'm only about halfway through it. But, uh, yeah. That's, but yeah, that's a very interesting book. point. Something to include in the company culture that any new hires can also speak up and share how to improve things. And yeah, that, that's a very mm. cool lesson. And finally, if you had like unlimited time, resources and money, what would you do or what would you work on? First off, I take just a really long surf holiday trip around... Indonesia probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then when I go back from that I would probably I really do helping businesses grow and so I would probably want to start up some sort of accelerator fund or something like that where I could just help all these different uh, companies that I'm interested mm -hmm. in grow and develop over time so maybe that is on the books at some point in time but yeah just being involved in a bunch of different companies watching them grow helping them grow I think is what I really like doing we could do a little bit of that now, but, but definitely not to the point of kind of, I would say maybe having more ownership in it instead of just yeah. being like a service partner, actually yeah. having a sole stake in it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's probably what I would do. And then just try and develop like a really nice portfolio of awesome products that I'm really excited about that I can keep yeah. working on. And then just have different stuff that I jump to throughout the week and yeah. try and help and improve and learn on, on all the different verticals that they're in. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not like Bali is like such a place for a lot of nomadic entrepreneurs. And there's so many marketers I know, so many yeah. of them. And even people who sell info products, people who do Facebook ads, people who at one stage, uh, actually in my company who does our Google ads and looks after some of our marketing and stuff. He's an Australian guy and he used to be based in Bali and sometimes in Thailand. And he just travels around and stuff like a nomadic sort of tech yeah <laughs> um, yeah well no i would of but um doing my wife that. is american <laughs> okay <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, too, yeah. I'm too old for that now yeah yeah <laughs> i already had my nomadic lifestyle yeah came to an end <laughs> <laughs> makes sense makes sense <laughs> yeah finally do you have any ask are you looking for anything are you looking for investors for hayex or team members or customers or what are you looking for yeah, so we're bootstrapping. Well, we bootstrapped Viper all the way. I think we're going to start off by bootstrapping Hayaks just mm -hmm. to, to see how it goes. And if it gets some traction, we'll have a better evaluation. If yes. it doesn't, maybe we'll look at raising. And then in terms of the agency and stuff, always looking for e-commerce brands to work, work with and help. And then we're also always looking to hire, constantly hiring media buyers, project managers. Yeah. On the software side, a lot of the development work crosses over between Viper and Hayaks. 
Yeah. And we reuse, we reuse resources across all of our companies. Yeah. So yeah, we're always looking for project managers, media buyers, developers for hiring, and then always looking for e-commerce clients to help scale their mm-hmm. Shopify stores mostly. And Hiax will be interested in finding some customers. I think it releases to the public probably this week. We had a closed beta going. Yeah. So yeah, I think if you, yeah, if you want to check it out, definitely check, go to highax.com and it's all going to be like free to enter and play around and that sort of stuff. And yes. only you only have to upgrade to a paid plan if you actually want to start generating revenue. So that kind of gives us a lot of feedback that we can get without having to like onboard every single client or every single customer. So that'll be interesting to see. So far, the closed beta has been pretty good. There's been some great courses built, some great e-commerce stores, that sort of thing. So I'll be interested to see how that goes over the next few months because it's been a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds great. Look, I'll put all the links um, underneath in the description, wherever this goes. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck for hikes. Thanks, Sam. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.